Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of 747 Conversations. It's your host, Chris Shembra. And if you hear noise in the background, you're still in the right place. I am in a temperature-controlled bubble. We call it the gratitude bubble. In my backyard here in New York City, in the neighborhood of Chelsea. And so you might hear some birds chirping. might hear some chickens in the roost. You might hear some construction workers and maybe even a New York City siren, if we're lucky. Or someone yelling at each other. (laughs) But nonetheless, you know, I'm so excited for today. We... You know, we get to interview a lot of great leaders who have founded big companies, who have great stories to share. But today's interviewee interviewee, really stuck out to me, not based on what he's done in his company, but what he's done for the community. You know, you look at the bio of this man and you'd say, wow, the president, chief investment officer, and principal asset manager at one of the world's great registered independent advisory firms, that's pretty cool. But it's what he's done outside the company that made us reach out. So today, we have Jason Jackman. You could also call him Jason Jackson. Some people do, but Jason Jackman, (laughs) president and CIO of the Johnson Investment Council, a company that was birthed in, in 1965, that uh, Jason joined in 1993, later became its president, chief investment officer, and has grown it to uh, a ranking on Barron's top registered independent advisory firms in the country. It's pretty awesome what they do. Outside of the company, he's on the board of directors of pretty much everything Cincinnati related, (laughs) whether it's the ballet or YPO, different forums, different think tanks, different legacy communities. And so we're going to have a a great conversation about relationship building, long-lasting relationships, weathering different storms. So Jason, it's an honor to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Chris. Pleasure to be here. Now, we were chatting before hopping on this podcast, and... I think you and your uh, your marketing person uh, might have uh, sent you our famous gratitude question. And you famously said, well, I don't know if it's just one person because you're so grateful to so many people. But, but I'm going to start us off with this question and see where we go. It's the same question that we've asked to every interviewee on this podcast every person who's come to any virtual gra- or, or in-person gratitude experience. So Jason, to start us off with, if you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, that you've never thought to thank, and I'll even add the fact that they could have either hurt you or helped you, been older or younger, still could be here or not with us here today, who would that be? Wow, Chris, uh, so many people to be thankful for over the years. I was fortunate enough to grow in a stable, loving household with, with great parents modeling the way 
uh, of marriage and parenting and taught me things like work ethic and caring for others. But if you're going to give me one person, I'm going to have to say my wife, Chris. Uh, <laughs> she, she is truly fantastic and just an unbelievable heart for others. Um, so giving in so many ways and, um, you know, loves the family, the kids, but, but it goes beyond that. She just, uh, pulls everyone into her family, her loving embrace and, and, uh, just cares for, for everyone around her. And, uh, she makes me a better version of myself for sure. How long have y'all been married? 25 years. Wow. We met in college at Wittenberg University. She was a chemistry major and I was an economics major and uh, we spent a couple of years together there and I chased her to Cincinnati and uh, we've been here ever since. So you chased her to Cincinnati and it just so happened that when you graduated from Wittenberg, you then went to join this firm. Did she know all along that, that this was the path that you would be destined for? to take over the company, to commit your life to service. Did she know what she was marrying? I don't know. I was probably a different person back in uh, college when we first met, for sure. Um, she graduated a year before me, so she got a job in Cincinnati. So that's why I came here mm -hmm. uh, to, to follow her and, and apply to Johnson Investment Council out of the paper when that, that type of thing used to be the way. <laughs> I didn't know anyone. Uh, just an economics major, tried to make up a, a great follow-up to a to an interview and explained why hiring someone with absolutely no relevant experience would be helpful to them and they could mold me into what they wanted me to be. And, and they bought it and uh, hired me back in 93 and I've been here 27 years. Hmm. You know, later in the podcast, I want to ask you about the sentence you just said about the importance of, you know, giving people a chance hiring them when they've not had experience and molding them into the person that they can become. I want to talk about that later in the podcast. Now, when you describe your wife, you talk about she's giving, she's family oriented. She pulls everyone in this really you're, you're painting a gatherer. You're painting this magnet that attracts the community. Is, is that, what you see in her now that she's developed over time, or is that the thing that really inspired you when y'all were just two kids in college? I think it's developed over time and she's not a big personality at all. She's not a big outgoing person. She really just wins people over by, by serving and helping others. She, she found a family during the pandemic, a, a working mom of four that was trying to keep a job when the kids were sent home from school and, she jumped in and provided 30 hours of daycare a week just to uh, help this family go. Obviously, she loved the kids and wanted to help the mom. She just finds people in need. We lost someone in our church to uh, COVID, and she went to the, the widow and asked for T-shirts so she could make a T-shirt quilt for, for her to remember him. And I, she's just always finding ways to, to lean in. And this leaning in, this giving of herself this ability to empathize and to provide for was she is this a product of of her having a lot of that in her upbringing or was it a product of her not being able to have that in her upbringing and wanting to pay it forward to others 
I think her parents were divorced. Uh, she was from a small town, so she enjoyed that. That was there was some relational as- aspect there. Um, I think she's just had a big heart uh, her whole life, and and it's developed over time. And we've been blessed with some prosperity that that she she's she's been on international mission trips to Haiti and Nicaragua. She's sent container shiploads of food to refugees in Sudan. She just, <laughs> she can't find uh, a need. She doesn't want to try to find a way to meet. That's got to feel pretty cool. I mean, for all the audio listeners out there, if you could see the smile that Jason has when talking about his wife, I mean, that that in itself should be the, the portrait of this podcast episode is that that smile. It's, it, it must it must feel pretty good to be married to someone you know who who wants to serve others so well because that's obviously your mission as well at, at what point in your marriage did did y'all both realize I mean look Jason you are I mean Cincinnati Regional Business Committee Northern Kentucky University Foundation St Elizabeth Healthcare YPO Ballet United Methodist Church it goes on and on and on and on so she could probably say the same thing about you having never met a mission you wouldn't need to serve at what point did you realize that that was going to be a bedrock of your marriage it might have developed when we're both transplants to Cincinnati and um I grew up moving a lot. So, uh, the one unique aspect of my childhood, I'd say is I moved every three to four years. Hmm. Uh, my dad worked for the JC Penney company and would get transferred to a new store or a, a regional office or what have you. And so I, I was excited to kind of put down roots in Cincinnati and she being a transplant as well kind of did too. So I think it, there was a business reason to get involved and that can be helpful for, you know, being involved in the community and being in board on, involved on boards. But I think it was also about putting down roots and giving back and making Cincinnati home. And, and, um, we both kind of developed a passion for that. I think over time and we do it different ways. She kind of hates board work. She's more a roll up your sleeve and, and, uh, be one-on-one with people. Um, I enjoy the board work, the policy level, um, and some of the networks that, that, that creates. So we do, do it differently, but I think both have a heart to serve for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's so, I was fortunate to grow up in a family with a mom and a dad, which is rare, you know, these days, um, grow up in a family that, that valued, you know, my, my dad, my dad ran, my dad ran his real estate company and they did exceptionally well. And, Together, they ran a, a kind of a passion project company, which has touched about a million people in the last 40 years. And then, you know, my mom got to be involved in philanthropy and she was the doer. And, and dad was the one that made a few phone calls to raise the dough. Um, but it was it was quite a symbiotic relationship. And I really found, as you mentioned, the business benefits, you know, I really found that the multiplier effect of them investing in their people through passion or philanthropy did lead to an increase in sales and productivity at their jobs. I mean, people want to do business with people that serve the community. Yeah. And I even found early in my career, it was a great way um, to get experience on things like strategic planning and, and uh, things that benefited me later in my career. I was able to kind of get my hands dirty on that stuff and board work early on more than I was in the company. And it served me well over time. So it was, Hmm. it was a great way to, 
certainly network and and meet good people, but it was also a way to gain some experience and and new new experiences. And talk about experience. It's so interesting that you know you you bounced or your your family bounced around every three to four years with the J.C. Penney Company, and so you got really good at meeting new groups of people. And you know you were uh, you know you were kind of constantly adrift, uh, but then you since 1993 you've kind of done the opposite you've just stayed in one company stayed in one town served the community um and so you you've developed the skills from the best of both worlds not only as the visitor or the transplant but then as the host and the community builder and 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 have a foundational support the your leadership style now uh Bringing people in, hiring them, and giving them a chance. How do you balance the thing? How do you, how do you balance the kind of the, the the pros and cons of hiring someone you know will only be with you to, for three to four years, or hiring someone that you hope will be with you for the long run? Do you, do you take that type of approach? We try to hire everyone for the long run. Uh, we're looking for for career fits. Um, and, and we're looking to hire people young. That way we can develop them, not just in the skill set, that's not as important as the culture. Just mm. being service-oriented, team-oriented, service-oriented uh, is so critically important. So we can teach them the skills of the job, but kind of bringing them up in that culture is, uh, I, I think, been real paramount to our success over time. How do you define culture? And, and how would you define Johnson Investment Council's culture? It's so critical to, it, it, it's just, it, it, it's, it's the atmosphere of, of the workplace. And uh, we're so mission driven, uh, providing people financial peace of mind. Purpose is so critical to today's workforce. Having something beyond a paycheck, beyond a job, feeling just mission driven is uh, critically important. So we hire people of integrity with a heart to serve others. And mm. um, if we do that well, we can teach them the skills and, and, and it really works out well that they're client focused, service oriented, mission driven, uh, team oriented. If we hire people that are service oriented, not only do they serve clients well, they serve each other well. And it just mm. creates a wonderful collaborative environment in the office. Hmm. You mentioned integrity and you know, I, I kind of look at it, you know, integrity is, you know, taking a long, long-term long approach and doing the right thing over time and not cutting corners. Um, in order to have good integrity, you must have the resilience needed to withstand tough times without taking a shortcut, without taking an easy way out. How do you potentially see that a, a global pandemic has given you the opportunity to study people's resilience. Have, have you been able to see people within your culture step up to the plate to be there for others more uh, than, than in, you know, in previous good times? I would say absolutely so. I, I was so proud of the team and the way they leaned together. Uh, you know, we sent everyone home. I, I think it was St. Patrick's Day of, of uh, March um, last year and, and just – the immediate ability to kind of redo their job overnight from home. Uh, we had the technology in place to, to allow a lot of that to happen, but you know, there were still new ways to 
figuring out how to zoom uh, with clients instead of meet face to face and 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 so many ways um, people really leaned into it and helped one another. People were buried and really busy. Some people had time. They reached out to try to help. Uh, it was great. I do worry about it long term. I'm I'm definitely a believer in the in the workplace and and culture. Um, I thought our culture strengthened through it. It required a lot of communication and a lot of effort. People trying to stay connected. Um, I'm I'm anxious to bring us back together uh, so that we can be together for those cultural reasons. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But I I was impressed with the resilience for sure. It's um you know it's 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 pretty interesting that um on your blog you you talked about um something that we we are so knowledgeable has um been lacking in the middle of a pandemic is rest and reflection and sleep because now everybody's so productive and anxious and nervous you you wrote a, a blog post about the return on sleep ROS most people talk about an ROI um, which is, you know, a return on investment, especially in the financial services. You know, you want to make sure that your investors are seeing a return on investment in the long, long run. Um, but return on sleep is a non-numerical gut feeling, a peace of mind that comes when the financial s- solution has been customized for your personal situation. How do you, when I hear return on sleep, sleep is, is, um, is valuing rest and reflection and meditation and gratitude. Um, How do you balance wanting to be more productive as a team, but also giving people time for rest and reflection and their own well-being? Does it oftentimes lead to a lack of productivity if someone is sleeping better? or better productivity? And, and how do you give people that time to kind of unplug, rest, and recharge? We've always said when we hire people that we want we want people's priorities to be faith, family, and firm in that order, which is often mm. the reverse of, of many companies. And so we want to try to achieve that balance. We don't always get it right. We, <laughs> you know, we get busy and, and things get up, but we, we try to adequately resource. We provide people the tools they need. Um, but we want people to have time with their families. We don't want people missing those special moments that you can't get those back. There's no return on that. That's worth it. So, uh, we want to make sure people have that, that, that work-life balance and the pandemic added a layer of complexity to that with people working from home. There wasn't that cutoff between family and work. And oftentimes that created people working longer hours. And I thought productivity was was as strong or better than it was pre-pandemic, um, but sometimes that was at the cost of of, of that line between work and family. Mm. I want people to be with their family when they're home. Faith, family, firm. Did did Mister Johnson were those his three or yeah? Yeah, he instilled you know so much of our of our success is is built on the foundation of the founder Tim Johnson founded the firm back in 65, as you mentioned, but um, always wanted those pinnacles to be part uh, of, of our co- core purpose and values of, as a firm. And, and they've instilled, you know, throughout the generations. Absolutely. 
I mean, it's it's obviously worked. I mean, Tim Johnson was awarded Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year. He grew this wonderful firm that now, you know, Jason gets to be in the leadership of. This faith family firm approach reminds me of an architect uh, by the name of John Lautner. And John Lautner was a disciple of Frank Lloyd Wright, for better and for worse. And he designed a home that was in the Big Lebowski, Jackie Treehorn's home in the Big Lebowski. It's now called the Shates Goldstein Residence. And we got to put on a play on that tennis court in Beverly Hills on August, uh, Saturday, April 9th, 2016. And when I was walking around with the owner of the estate, I was listening to his philosophy on life. And he always said that John Lautner hated three F words, fads, facades, fashion. And so it was so cool that I can now link those three F words to his three F words to a quote I read from you. This is going somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) You once said, stick to a plan of prudent investments. Don't chase the latest fad or hot stock tip, but steadily adding savings to a prudent investment plan is the recipe for long-term success. Now, what that reminds me of is a quote from a book I'm holding called Meditations. Meditations was written by a guy by the name of Marcus Aurelius, who used to be the emperor of Rome from 160 to 181 AD, so 2,000 years ago. And he went through similar things when writing this book that we're going through today. The Antonine Plague, political usurpers, massive social divide. And even high empire debt. Sound familiar? (laughs) But he said uh, he had a a steadfast purpose of living according to nature. Here he could learn to be grave without affectation, to observe sagaciously the several dispositions and inclinations of my friends, to tolerate the ignorant, and those who follow current opinions without examination. To follow current opinions without examination means essentially follow a fad or follow something that is just trending popular right now. How how do you go to a client and say, hey, pal, you're going to be in this for the long run. Please don't come to us with these short-term get-rich-quick schemes. You just got to trust us. How, how do you maintain that type of psychological safety, that trust? Really, it's at the uh, point of prospecting with a potential client. Um, we'll turn clients away that, that aren't a good fit. Um, we're, not, we're not about quick earning schemes. We're about a long-term plan of success and providing financial peace of mind over time, passing wealth in a healthy way to the next generation those type of long range plans. And if, if there's not an alignment on what realistic return expectations or time horizons, there's just not a fit there. And, um, they, they might be happy somewhere else, hope they find the right fit, but it's, it's not with us. 
Have you ever had that trouble with uh, maybe uh, <clears throat> a, I mean, if you look at the market this year, you know, well, last year, March or April, um, you know, the, the market tanked and then it built back up to, you know, historic levels. Uh, did, were you ever in fear of having anybody jump ship when the times were tough? Uh, maybe pretending like they could do it on their own or, um, you know, how do you, you mentioned the prospecting side, but on the re- retention side, you know, how do you, how do you keep that peace of mind? Well, that's where we earn, um, earn our, our fees for sure is during those times. And I failed to mention it in your resilience question, but when you think about when we sent everyone home in March of last year, we were also in the midst of a, the sharpest, steepest recession we've seen and uh, a, a, a major correction in the stock market all at the same time. So that's when we're on the phone with clients, we're meeting them face to face, we're talking about the plan. Our plans build in those type of market environments. So that is just part of the plan. It doesn't feel good when you're going through it, but we're not off course. This is part of the plan. Uh, this is a time to be changing, uh, rebalancing towards those areas that have been underperforming to, to get back to the plan long term. And, and all those are time tested, long range strategies. Mm-hmm. And I imagine even if a client does, you know, leave you, you'd, you'd probably end that relationship with gratitude. Absolutely. Hoping we helped them while they were here, uh, hoping we passed along some some wisdom along the way. Uh, you know, I view my role as one of stewardship, uh, hmm. stewardship of client assets, uh, stewardship of Tim Johnson's legacy and foundation on which he built, stewardship of the employees. I, I feel a great sense of responsibility for, for all the families um, that I'm providing for. So, um, making sure that that stewardship is in place is important to me. What's your favorite way of showing gratitude to someone? Oh man. Um, I probably don't do it enough. I tend to be too task oriented for sure. Uh, but I, I actually, one of the pandemic, um, habits that is going to stick is a weekly email I send out. And, uh, I, I did it just for communication and staying connected, but it's, given me a forum to really acknowledge people and thank them for the contributions they've been making in a variety of ways. Um, it's something that isn't as natural to me as it should be. And, and I want it to be. So I've been doing it more that way and I need to do it more face to face as well. Question. Have you ever read the book, the five love languages by Gary Chapman? No, but I know the, uh, the premise of it, I believe. The quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts. What do you think your love language is? Um, my wife for sure is acts of service. Um, potentially the same. Yeah. It's pretty awesome when you get to know what your love language is. Cause you know, it does two things. One, you get to communicate it to others and if they want to show you appreciation, they should probably show you appreciation in the language of which you like to receive it. Uh, but number two, it, it allows you to ask uh, the people around you what their love language is and show that appreciation in the language they like to receive it. 
you know, we always say not, not all gratitude given is gratitude heard. And, you know, on top of this email chain, email, you know, that you're sending out, I'd encourage you all to actually maybe do a survey and and asking people, you know, what's, what's your love language, Tim, that's worked here for 40 years. What, how do you actually like to receive that love? And that's a form of empathy. And luckily in our industry, uh, studies show that employers, uh, employees will take equal pay and position with a competitor's firm if their employer was more empathetic. And sometimes all that takes is listening. Yep, absolutely. Good words of wisdom there, Chris. <laughs> well, Jason, as, as we start kind of closing out, you know, I, I want to ask you, um, if your wife was on this call with us right here today, what would you say to her? I love you, babe, and proud of everything you do. Um, I look forward to, we're on the verge of being empty nesters now. So we're in a whole new chapter <laughs> of life. Our youngest just graduated from high school and is off to college in August. So um, we're looking forward to um, what this next chapter looks for the two of us, maybe maybe doing some community work uh, together instead of separately as, as we've done it up to this point. So we'll see. Mm. You know, and I mean, that was going to be my follow-up question is what would you do in her love language to show this appreciation? And it sounds like being of service to each other through the community is a pretty awesome way to do that. That might very well be it for sure. <laughs> well, Jason, do you have any last words in closing? Uh, no, just appreciate the time. Uh, appreciate what you're doing. Uh, gratitude, I think, is so important to just um, find fulfillment, find joy, uh, find contentment in life. Um, it's easy to focus on what's, on what's wrong around you. And I'm, I'm an analytical person. I'm guilty of this. <laughs> I, I always tear something apart and try to figure out what's wrong with it. Uh, it's always good to pause and think about everything you have to be thankful for because there's there's an awful lot out there when you stop and and give it consideration i love it well jason thank you for coming on the podcast and to all our listeners you know i i hope you've learned something uh first of all I, you know i i i hope you've learned that uh the fads and facades and fashions that i've been talking about so much with john lautner can actually have a polar opposite which is uh, faith, family, and firm. And, and that's a pretty nifty order to hear someone talk about. But Jason took what was once uh, a unique childhood, moving every three to four years, and he took the opportunity to stay in one place and firm up his roots and serve the community. And to all of you out there, I, I know the world is constantly shifting. We have so many options there's so many things that are a la carte. We're always multitasking something. But I encourage you, encourage you to pick something, whether it's a location or a hobby or a relationship, and really dive deep into it. Because when you dive deep like Jason has, the world will reap massive, massive opportunities and benefits your way. You know, Gary Keller from Keller Williams wrote a book called The One Thing. And in it, he talks about how you can't chase two rabbits at the same time. They'll both get away. Focus equals growth. You pick that one thing to commit to, 
and you work on it every day as a craftsman, and maybe one day you'll be the best in the world at what you do. Similar to what Jason and the team at Johnson Investment Council have found for themselves. So thanks for tuning in. If you heard anything uh, worth talking about or asking for the questions to Jason, email us. Uh, any thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns, and, and we'll get them to him and to his marketing team. Uh, and I hope we succeeded in having him step outside of his comfort zone today. It was quite a good conversation. So thanks for tuning in. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Of course, share this with your friends, especially in the Cincinnati area. Every town needs a good leader to pull them through these difficult times, and they have that in Jason. So I hope you all are having a phenomenal day on Earth. Remember, folks, it's your world. Go explore, and we'll see you next episode. Mm-hmm.